Hello, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. I don't often say it, but if you don't know, my name is Marcus Smith, and I am the host of the show. Today, I am joined by a very, I wouldn't say old as in his age, but old as in we've known each other for quite a few years, coming over 15 years now. He's a very special guest, friend to me, and I owe him a lot. He's probably one of the reasons, I'll cut the chase and stop with the bravado for the marketing people. He is probably one of the major contributing factors to the reason why this podcast started. We'll talk about it more in the show, but as a brief introduction, James took a punt on me back in 2008, 2009 and welcomed me as a regular guest on his radio show, Nightline on Dubai Eye 103.8. He then one day randomly asked me if I needed the files from the show, to which I replied, why would I need that? And he's like, man, you have to use these, start a podcast. And it was about the time where I had toyed with the idea or was just starting the podcast. And not only did he push me into that in a nice way or help me through that in a nice way, but he taught me some of the skills and I don't have many skills, even 808 shows later, but he taught me a number of skills on how to speak, how to listen, how to interview people, and in some way, how to put together a show. He's been a huge inspiration for me. We've always had amazing conversations. And after, I think it's been about three or four years since we have actually seen each other, I've managed to get him into the studio and back onto the show. And time for this week's show announcements. This weekend is the Far East Throwdown. Our team of four are representing in a fight over in Korea in what is the semi-finals of the CrossFit Games. If these guys do well or the teams that win in Korea are the ones that will reach the Games final in America in August, I think this year. So our team of Vic, Sandro, Rachel and Matt are over there representing us and proudly sponsored by Unbroken which is something that you should be having pretty much every day in your supplement regime. More about that in another show that's coming up. Also, the WOD guys supplying all those things that help you get a little bit better at CrossFit, whether it's a skip rope, grips, knee sleeves, hand repair ointment. I think we'd call it ointment. I actually used it recently. Very good stuff. Also, Palmer Holdings developing some of the most stunning properties in Dubai and the one that is Olivara, the home of Innofight, and also the Global Property Wealth Network, which is an incredible company set up here in Dubai by one of our members and his wife, James and Steph. Definitely worth going and checking out what those guys are doing. It is super interesting and fascinating to watch how their business is growing and also their mindset around it. So we appreciate the sponsors, Global Property Wealth Network, Unbroken, The Wad Guys, and Palmer Holdings. In other news, last weekend we saw Final Fridays. Thank you to everyone who came down to Final Fridays. And then also thank you to the people that then went out to support everyone into the darkness. Into the darkness also marks the season closing, if you like, of our endurance season before it moves more 
over to Europe, races coming up in Europe, and some things that you might want to get involved in in Europe on an endurance side. Just a few weeks now, at the end of June, we head over to Chamonix for a week camp. That's during the Eid break. So if anyone has a week off during Eid and wants to come over to Chamonix with us to run around in the mountains, please do that. And go over and check out the Innerfight Endurance social channels for their next international marathon, which is in October in Amsterdam. If you don't want to run, or if you do want to run, I should be encouraging running. 42 marathon, 42.195K for the marathon. And there is also a half marathon that people can get involved in over there. That's in October of this year. If you want to sign up, give the guys a shout. Well, go over to Amsterdam Marathon and sign up and give the guys a, a shout as well. Other things that I want to bring you up to date with, the Simple Life Project kicks off as soon as Rachel is back from Korea. This is a six-week program, very simple, two group personal training sessions per week, and then a couple of different things to do when you're at home. One of them is a workout, and Rachel guides people through food, sleep, rest and recovery if you want as well, also providing a nice support network. That project is a six-week project, so it could work out quite good timing for those of you who are going on holiday soon. That kicks off the first week of June. Also kicking off in June is our Summer Madness. This is the first time we have done a special promotion, if you like, for the summer months to help encourage people to keep up their fitness that are here during the summer months. June, July, August, you have unlimited access to the evening classes basically for an incredibly good price. Summer Madness, go and check that out over on our website. And speaking of the website, if you haven't seen the new website, go over and have a look. It's still at innerfight.com. There's plenty going on over there. Events, news, weekly thoughts. The blog is coming back soon where all these podcasts live and also the articles are coming back there. But go and have a look. And also there's a careers page there. If you know someone who wants to work with us or you are someone who wants to work with us, then fill up our careers form on the website. That's the announcements for this week. Let's get into today's show. This is episode number 808 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Great friend and massive inspiration. Dr. James Pikeaway. Enjoy the show. Dr. James Pikeaway, my absolute pleasure <laughs> to... So long, so long. It's been a long time. Yeah. As I said in the introduction, mate, you, I owe you a lot and... I was thinking, I was thinking the same way. I owe you a lot. <laughs> no, you were the one and... A lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, you've done over 800 shows. This is That's whatever. Congratulations. That is amazing. No, it's crazy, mate. But I'm like, and they're like, how did you do it? And I always say to them, a guy took a chance on me and put me on his show on the radio. And not only did he take a chance on me, but he then told me to take the files. You gave me the files. You're like, there's this thing called Audacity, which we're recording on right now. There's this thing called Audacity. You need these files. And this was... 2008. So, mate, I am so grateful oh, for the chance that you took. You remember the first show that you came in on? I do. You came in <laughs> on a inner fight branded white singlet undershirt. <laughs> keep going. Keep embarrassing me. <laughs> like, and, and I and I I remember how we got. Do you remember how we got introduced? Yeah, I do. It's mental, and where that that whole maybe that's not for this show, but where that whole thing has gone is just, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. That was crazy. But one thing 
And it's like, mate, let's not be serious from the start. How are you? Yeah, and what good. it's been, we just calculated at least three years. Yeah. What is going on in the world of James? You know, it's, it's funny because it's the same old, same old, but it's different. <laughs> and, and, and I think same shirt, same shirt, same shoe on oh, no, new shoes, you know, uh, rocking the, the multicolored socks, you know, just, I've, I've, and, and borrowed a, a tone from you because you love to have your wild socks. I've taken it one step further. Why have them the same? Yeah. I just mix them all into the drawer. Doesn't I've, matter. I just wear any sock that comes out and it's like, you know what? That's the way it is. Yeah, look, I'm, 23 years I've been here in the UAE. I'm still a university professor. <laughs> I don't know how. I'm still a university professor. I think in the last five years, my focus has really shifted from sitting down and being that research academic kind of guy mm. to, hold on, how do we take this theory and link it to practice? And I really fundamentally shifted that way in, in my mindset. And that doesn't bode so well in the academic world because it's, you got to publish a paper. Are, we, are you doing research? Are you publishing? And, yeah. and I'm more, let's, let's play with these tools and let's create something and let's do it. And let's use all of our knowledge to build that in. And so as soon as you start doing that, it opens up a whole bunch of avenues of thought and you start thinking differently about how things connect. And, and, and I think it's taken me down an interesting road that, is, that I'm not anywhere near the end of, but it's telling me that it's time to start thinking differently about what I'm doing. Do you think that's one of the limitations of the educational setting that we're here to teach this syllabus? Yes. And later you'll figure out how it plugs into life. Whereas what, what I'm just hearing from you right there is that you're taking a syllabus and you're actually, you're, you're increasing your service to your students by saying this is the syllabus and this is how it plugs into life. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's through example. Yeah. There's a lot of examples. And, and look, a lot of my examples are trial and error. And, and you know, <laughs> tried something out and, hey, that didn't work. Okay, let's move a different direction. Oh, let's try something else. And sometimes when you try something, it takes up more of your time. So, yeah. you know, that a, a perfect example, I'll, I'll talk to my students about how much, they, how much content they leave on the table. So we're doing an interview like this right now and we're talking, <laughs> we're videoing it. Excellent. Mm. We got a transcript because we can now make a we can take some content out about that and we can start writing it. You can take your long form videos, turn them into shorter form videos, turn them into reels. And so you've got all this content that you're generating that you can potentially do things with. So I talked to my students about that. The problem is, yeah, I can outsource and yeah, I can get other people doing it, but it still means you've got a lot more, there's a lot more potential work that you're doing, but you're generating a whole bunch more from one tiny little thing. And, what I notice with my students and they take it to their businesses. And when you start talking to SMEs or even larger business, they leave so much on the table that mm. they don't even gather, record, keep, store because they don't realize the value in it. They just, yeah. oh, it just happened internal. We just had one of our colleagues talk about a new project that they're thinking about say, well, that's gold. Even if you don't share it worldwide, sharing it in your company, that's gold. Yeah. And, and so that's really become the focus of a lot of the, what I'm doing. And again, it's by example, showing them, saying, hey, here's what I'm doing. And 23 years of, of that experience, mate, is yeah. you're, you're a walking example. Yeah. 
which is nice. And and it doesn't mean that everyone loves me. <laughs> in, in an academic setting, hardcore traditional scholars, I'm they're not my fans. Yeah, but you, they never have been. No. And that's what's beautiful. They, they can't figure out, they'll sit down with you and they'll say, well, you've got a PhD. Yeah, from a good university. Yeah, University of Montreal. Great university. You mm. know, top, top 120 in the world. And they'll say, why aren't you doing research? I said, it doesn't interest me. Mm. I mean, I don't, I'm not interested in five people reading my work. <laughs> I'm interested in hundreds of people getting access to information so they can make better decisions. Yeah. And they just can't put their head around that. And then when you sit down with metrics, they'll say Scopus. It's a, a metric system for scholarly articles, which ultimately measures how many times something you've written is cited by somebody else. And I sort of looked at someone and I said, so A, you don't know if anyone actually read your article and B, you just know that someone else put it in their thing. Or as I said, I can go to YouTube and I can tell you how many people have looked at my content, how long they've looked at my content, where they're from, and I can get you a yearly number which eclipses your scopus, which doesn't tell you how many people have actually engaged with what you've written. And they kind of look at me and then they walk away angry. It's interesting, isn't it? Because immediately jumping to my mind is the, is the ongoing argument on Instagram and, and likes on, yeah. on Instagram versus just what you said over on YouTube where, you know, someone might or might not see what you've posted on Instagram, but, and therefore they might like or not, not like it depending on where the algorithm's at at that particular point of right. time. Whereas on YouTube, you have that data, you know that people have actually gone there, they've landed on your page, they've watched it for, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it can be quite disheartening when yeah, you've yeah. made a, a show that's <laughs> an hour long and they've watched three minutes, you yeah. know, yeah. You know like bastards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you actually, you have all this super qualitative data, which I guess opens up the whole argument of, Facebook and Zuckerberg against right. Google and, and, yeah. and, and YouTube, which is probably a whole other show. But where, where I want to quickly get back to, mate, is what you were able to do for me in the early stages, which was you taught me how to talk. You also taught me how to listen and you taught me how to slow down so that, and, and I use our game that we had, the, the, and those that have listened to the show, or those that have spoken to me about podcasting, the um and ah game of oh. where we just tick each other off. And I, I, I guess I was a little bit ballsy saying, yeah, I'm gonna mark you as, as well. Where does it all start? Where does your passion for talking, your understanding of talking, listening, being on the radio and being in the area that you're in, where does it really come from, do you think? 2009, I applied to go to TED. Yeah. And I got accepted in LA. I remember Long it Beach. so well. So, I, I mean, I was be, leading up to that, I was, you know, your standard bog standard communication professor. And were you though? Well, more so nah. than I mean, <laughs> you had charisma. I, I did, I did. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm all about the teaching, and yeah. and always from day one, as I as I said a little bit earlier, it was always about not complicating subjects, but uncomplicating them so that anyone could understand what you're talking about. And so that that's probably the root of everything that I do is to just to decomplexify it, just mm. make it easy for people to understand these ideas. 2009 was game changer for me. That was life changer. And going to TED and sitting in Long Beach and listening to these speakers and watching this event, I kind of went, why don't, 
why isn't everyone speaking like this? Why isn't every professor speaking like this? Why isn't every pitch that happens in a business like this? Why isn't every conference I've ever gone to like this? And I know people say, well, it's Ted. It's not, you know, it's not academic. I said, are you kidding? I'm listening to, to PhDs in, in astrophysics explain to me the SETI project in words I can understand and motivating me to want to go now read more and activate and get involved why isn't everyone doing that? This yeah. is the model. And so from 2009 on, you know, I, I was fortunate to go back two more times. And that really became the basis of everything that came after was how to make things just more engaging, using tools available, and getting people excited about mm. things that are going on around them. So it's funny you say that. I want to add one of two things. I might be right, I might be wrong, but. Your, one of your sponsors for that trip was Air France. Yes. That's good memory from an old guy like me. But secondly, and I probably don't talk as much as I could talk on this show about entrepreneurship because I'm not a very, I don't know, I, don't, I just don't talk about it much. But through the position you were in, you leveraged that position and your skill set. And that trip was pretty much the trip that changed your life yeah. was paid for, let's say. Yeah. So all those, you know, and, you know, the other, so it was Air France was, a, was a sponsored the, the flights there at Air France KLM really is still thankful to those folks. Yeah. And Jackie's electronics. That was it. Jackie's. Yeah. Jackie's. <laughs> and they, they funded the rest. Yeah. So, you know, I obviously, and, and Zide University, I used my PD funding for part of it as well, but it, I, I couldn't, I mean, you can't afford to go to Ted. Mm. I mean, it's it, the entrance fee right now is $10,000. Just to be there. Just to be there. If It's once you get accepted to be there, because you've got to apply, because yeah. they curate the audience as well as the speakers. So once you apply and they say, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll take you in, then it's 10 grand. Wow. Well, I don't have $10,000. Yeah, and that's right. not hotel. That's not flight. That's... So, you know, and if you're, you know, I needed a, I needed transport to get on the, the second two to Palm Springs. So I rented a car. That, none of that is things, I mean, I'm an academic. I don't, I'm not yeah. rolling in that kind of money. But so, it's, that's inspiring as well, mate, yeah. that you knew that there was something out there. You had a look around at the circumstance that you were in. You yeah. managed to, I think you gave those guys, I still remember now 14, 15 years later that it was Air France. And now you jog yeah. my memory, Jackie's Electronics. Well, Jackie's an Ashish Punjabi. That was- There we go. Know, I mean, I gotta say, again, thanks to those guys. Cause <laughs> it's like never ending. You know, the, it's, it's, they invest in something that continues to give. Yeah. So, yeah. Nightline was a show that you invented. So did you, inv no, it? I didn't actually invent it. Was, it was, you know, my Malcolm Taylor was before me. Yes. And before that was Jason Lumber. Both of the, both of those great men have passed away. Yeah. So Malcolm took over from Jason and then I took over from Malcolm. In 2006? Seven, I think. Seven. Yeah. Maybe 2006. You're right, yeah. I think it was 2006. 2006, you're right. I think it was. And, and well, you know the story about that? No, Matthew, but you're going to tell Matthew it. Johnson, <laughs> who is still marketing guru over at Arabian Radio Network, mm. gets on the phone. So I'd written this, this article in seven days. So I, that was the other thing. I mean, Brilliant. I was, I, you know, I, I, I've got to say, I, I mean, I've been so lucky here. I, I was a columnist in seven days. Yeah. And, and Tony Metcalf also passed away, unfortunately, took, took a, a chance and used to give me like a full page column that he almost did little editing to. 
And one of those columns, I was dissing radio. And I wrote this column just saying, you know what? Talk radio in this country is brutal. And radio in general is brutal. And I named names and shows. Wow. And they, so what, what ended up happening is Jason Lumbar asked me to come on to his nightline and we had a chat about it. And he gets out thinking, what do you mean by this? What do you mean by that? And it was, it was kind of neat. And we had that conversation. And sometime down the road, not very long after that, as things changed and, and Malcolm then took over and he did things and then Malcolm went on to the business breakfast. Matthew Johnson gets in touch and says, hey, do you want to you come on radio? Do you want to come and do nightline? Take over from Malcolm? And I said, no. And be, before that, I'd been doing a little bit of radio chat over on 99.3, The Better Mix. Mm-hmm. And so we did a, you know, the Shorter Evans, I started with him, then Jeff Price. And we did this morning kind of news roundup show right. and serious news with the funny angles. And the goal of that was always to get people to pull over laughing. That was the goal. <laughs> Not to cause that, accidents. No, no. So the, but the, that was the goal that someone would be listening to the serious news that always had a twist. Right. And, you know, there was word of the day and, you know, and, and part of it is I just wanted to meet Richard Branson. So I had a virgin. This was when Virgin was going to first start flying here. Right. So I always had a tip for Virgin every day. Every time we did the show, never got to meet the guy, but I always gave them a tip. And some of them are still very solid. Yeah. And, and so Matthew Johnson from ARN calls me up and says, you want to you move over here and do Nightline? And I said, no, because I, I was sitting at the other side of the table mm. I, I, that's not my gig. I'm a university professor. I mean, I was talking, but that's not my gig. Yeah. And so many calls back and forth during a Ramadan. He says, why don't you come and just try a show during Ramadan? It's a little lighter. Give it a go. So I, I rock up. Sticky Fingers is there. Uh, wow. And, and his sti- name is from the past. <laughs> <laughs> this is so amazing. Sticky Fingers is there. And he goes, you ever done radio before? And I go, never in front of the board. And he sits me down. And he says, okay, here's the board. Here's the faders. Here's what you got to push. There's the time. And he, he grabs out a submarine sandwich and says, I'm going to sit over here and eat dinner. If you need any help, I'll, I'm here. No way. Countdown, five minutes. <laughs> and that was the first show. So literally on your own. Yeah. And he's... And- few hundred thousand people are going to be listening, listening you're going to and do you're call looking in. at this mic. Yeah. And, it, and I did the first show and I was like, okay, this is awesome. You know, terrified. And I was terrified every show I ever did until we started talking. Just, you know, hands would get sweaty, stomach just, okay, can we do this? Yeah, we can do this. Yes, we can do this. And that was it. Let's take that one. We'll come back to that story, mate. But that's something that I think could be super useful for people. And I know you help people in this way. Every time that I invite someone in here and put this mic in front of them, they have a similar thing. It's like suddenly I've got a mic and I've got a couple <laughs> yeah. of cameras, sweaty palms. And it's, I think it's no different from when we're going to a job interview, yeah. when we're having a review with a boss, or maybe when we're, we're, we're pitching a client. What are your go-to two or three tips? How do you relax yourself when that five minute countdown is coming few hundred thousand people all the mixers and the mic and you have to say something you know what i i first thing in my mind can i do this mm. am i am i good at this yes am i good at this yes do you know what you're going to talk about doesn't really matter i'm good at this i can do it <laughs> i can do this so i keep telling myself literally you're good you're really good at this you can do it you really you, you can talk you know your stuff you got the ability you can do this you can do it. and i just keep telling myself you can do it you wow. can do it you can do it and then you know the, the classics deep breaths take some breaths relax just breathe mm. just pause for a minute get yourself out of that zone and and i think also the lead up to it is always get there early wherever you're going to be yeah. so that you can just you know get a feel for the place get a feel for the the air get just 
Let it work for you. Yeah. And just keep remembering, okay, what's, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Like, really, what's the worst? <laughs> there's, there's no downside. So, as long so as they're you, the three. You yeah. can do this. Get there early. I love that. And you, and mate, we've always been early for each other. Yeah. I think that's why we've had quite a positive relationship <laughs> over the years. We've always been early. And then nothing, just, nothing just, bad can actually happen. Yeah. Do you know? And look, at the end of the day, do you know your stuff? Yeah. If you're going to show up somewhere and you're going to talk about, you know, fitness and you know nothing about fitness, well, you're doomed. Yeah. So don't talk about stuff you don't know. <laughs> Let's continue. So Sticky Fingers is sat in the corner eating his oh, sandwich. You've got the, I mean, they are super intimidating anyway, yeah. aren't they? The, the decks, because there's so many different fade yeah. buttons and stuff. And the advertisements and are you hitting things in? And oh man, it, yeah, it was, it was terrifying. Terrifying. And, and then you're on air. And then you're on air and then you're going. And then, you know, I, I think it's when you, when people say, hey, I heard you on the radio. Oh, I heard that show. Or I heard you interviewing this person. Or yeah. can I get on your show? Or would you like to talk to me? Or, you know, you get that feedback, good or bad. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, you realize the power of audio. And I think audio has changed now with podcasting. There's still that power. Mm. I think the power and the reach is even more than it was then I think there's I think there's a home for local stuff and I think radio still has that home but even in that localized micro environment I think podcasting is becoming it might actually be more engaging than some of the content that we get live now so it's it's a yeah. it's a challenge it's a challenge a memory I always have and why I'm always proud to know you is you took on a a station and a topic or an, and a nation at probably one of the lowest points of economic history in oh, this man. country, really, in 2008 to, two, well, end of sort of 2007 through to 2009. What always sticks in my mind was your ability, you were, people were calling in and they were just unloading on you. And these, a lot of these people had a number of reasons to be, quite upset like life had really just the 2008 global financial crisis was, was tough for a lot of people you gave these people and it's so hard here because of let's just call it regulation around radio and it's still quite tight which is yeah, good yeah. it keeps it it keeps it what it is and we all respect that how did you do it mate you gave these people this voice you empowered them and you created the show that was just like I would sometimes stay up for it, which people <laughs> wow. on this show know me, you know me. Like, you're, the, you're a warning guy. That's saying something. How did, you, how did you do it and how did you get through it? Because it was all this almost negative energy coming in all the time. Like you'd listen to half a dozen people whinge to you yeah. at nine o'clock every night. Yeah. I was just like, how does this guy do it? They had a story. Everyone had a story. I think, yeah. and I think those stories were just, these, these people all became my friends. You know, they're virtual That's friends because I didn't know them, right? And you, and you sometimes would bump into people who didn't know you either, but they would hear your voice at the grocery store and go, oh, you're on the radio, aren't you? No and, but these, these, it was just an opportunity for people to have an outlet to share what they were doing and share what was on their mind. And in a respectful way, because they knew that if they unloaded in a manner that was disrespectful to the nation, we were toast. We, yeah. we would get shut down. Yeah. And they respected that. They, they were able to do it in a manner that was dignified. And we had these conversations. And, and people listening who were making the trip back and forth realized, wow, I'm not alone. 
you know, X, Y, Z has the same issues as me. Yeah. And I, I just think it was, it was so exciting, exciting to be in a position to facilitate that. But at the same time, I, I still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around like this skill set that you have that you, you made them feel better after a five minute call or a three minutes. It was minutes. crazy, wasn't it? It's was, <laughs> crazy, man. I think people just want to be listened to and they want yeah. someone to not judge them and fight with them and offer them maybe an alternative view, but not say, well, you're wrong. Yeah. Unless they were absolutely wrong. And then there were times when I would say, no, come on, come on. But they just wanted to have that conversation and, and be able to get something off their chest. And yeah. I think that's what a privilege to be able to sit and listen to that and hear that from, from all across the nation. I think that was the best thing. You know, you get people from Rack calling or yeah. people on the border of Abu Dhabi, depending on how the signal was getting across <laughs> and things it changed. It. Some of the political winds changed occasionally, but it was, it was, it, you know, I think sometimes I would pinch myself saying, I can't really believe I just did this. Yeah. <laughs> did you go through it with, with a lot of gratitude? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To this day. To this day. To this day. I would, what, a, what an honor, what a privilege to, to be able to do that. Because, and, and this was part of, part of the challenge that I always faced. And mm. I always felt a little bit like I was a, a guest as well. And it's nice. a weird thing because, because I had a day job. And yeah. my day job was being a professor. Yeah. At night, I would come and do a talk show. And this was also a full, this ultimately became a, a really a full-time job. Yeah. And I'm working in an environment with a bunch of people who this is their jobs, but I never felt it was my job. It was, you know, I was hosting Nightline. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and you, I, it, I think it, it really clicked in one, one time when I would go into the radio station in the morning sometimes because there was no one at the radio station at night. So sometimes you wanted to go and actually speak to the station manager and say, hey, you know, can we try and promote the show a little bit more? Or, hey, this, I've, got a new, I've got a new idea that I'm going to try out. Didn't want to send them an email. I thought, I'll just come and share it with you because I, I would switch up shows quite a bit yeah. and try new things. And every couple of years, you get bored, so you switch something in, switch something out, give it a try. Some things worked, some things didn't. Mm. But we still try them. And I remember running into Chris Fade. And, you know, and the gang. And I'm like, whoa, I was like, so, so, you know, I was so excited to meet them. And Catboy was doing morning show on 92 at that time. He's like, wow, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking to Simon and I'm talking to Chris Fade. And, and you know, and I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm starstruck by these guys. Right. And they kind of look at me and go, dude, we do the same job. Like, we listen to you. You listen to us. We're doing the same. You are a radio presenter just like us. Yeah. And I never felt like that. To this day, I never really? felt like that. No, I never felt like I was a radio presenter. Why not? I, I don't know. I think it's because I had the day job. I'm just a professor going in, hanging out on the radio, having fun. It's, <laughs> it's funny. a weird thing, isn't it? It's funny because <laughs> as you were talking through that, I remember the, the and, and this is how crazy A, this town is, and B, life is. We're sat here in, in a fight in Studio City, and we're literally 500 to 750 meters away from the old AR. I slowed, I slowed down as I passed there today, looking, going, <laughs> I remember that place. Every, every time I run past it or drive past it, I think of, of the times that we're there, but it was very much like you described that 
you know, our segment, we were on at eight or nine o'clock. You were on basically from eight till, till 10. You'd go in, the guy, the super nice security guy downstairs, he'd just checked in for night shift. There was nobody around. All the other stations were kind of on like auto play out. I, I guess this has changed a lot now. And you and I were, were having these sort of live conversations, but it felt, it felt, I guess, very, I, I have never been in that studio during the day. Yeah. So I guess it, it was really quite different and maybe that's what you were just cruising in at night and yeah. you were just doing something that you were enjoying and yeah. Crazy. It's weird. <laughs> it's, it, exactly. Really weird. It's, it's very weird when you, especially when you contrast it with the, with the current ARN offices in, <laughs> oh, in, in Media City. It's something man. completely and, and that's different. that's about when I stopped, just as they were moving. That's yes. when, when my tenure ended. And, and I got to say, was, you know, one, in one hand, I got my nights back, mm. which was interesting because as we were talking earlier, you know, I had young kids. My kids grew up with me going to the radio every night mm. and balancing kids activities and preparing for a show. Or if I do it, did at some, at one point in the later years, I did pre-records of, of, of an hour yeah. because they moved the time and it just, no one was calling in. Yeah. So it was a, it was a challenge. If people had missed that drive part, you know, 10 to 11, could be really difficult to get callers. So I would pre-record, yeah. but I would pre-record earlier in the day or a day before with our show. I used to come to the gym. Yeah, I used to come to the gym first thing Sunday morning. Yeah. And then go and, you know, go home and break it into parts and do a little edit and give it to the radio station. Say, here you go. Ready to go. It's just <laughs> nuts. There's two things that really stand out, mate. One is your genuine passion and excitement around it. And secondly, and I think this was more in, in, the, in the latter stages, what you were just saying there, your, your absolute hustle to make this show work. Because yeah. I was one guest and we had Fitness Talk, which was one night a week. And then- Get Fit Radio. Get Fit Radio. <laughs> that's what we called it. It was brilliant. <laughs> Two not marketing guys putting together something. But then you'd go and you'd record Tech Talk. You'd, yeah. you'd record Car Talk. You'd- your hustle for the show was was huge. Yeah, when I think back, I was like, "What was I doing?" Really? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think, <laughs> "What was what was I thinking?" And how did I make that work? Yeah, I, I do. How did, what, what conclusions? Like, what reflections do you have? Where do you get to with that? I, you know, I just, I think if you really love something, you don't think about that. Yeah. And I think that was in a, to this day with the, the podcasting stuff that I do now. My wife will say, "Man, you're putting in so much time." Mm it doesn't feel like I'm putting in the time. It's something I just love to do. And yeah, you want to hustle and hopefully you can make some money off stuff, mm. but it's not all about money or it, there's a long tail. And where does that long tail lead? And it's how long can you sustain something? And, and I, I think that's with any project. You got to, you got to really look at it and say, what's your end point? What's your goal? And if it no longer fits with what you're doing, then abandon it. Mm. And if you get some energy and inspiration and, excitement out of these projects and you can sustain them, then do it. It's part of you. And I think it's, it's really being honest with yourself. And I think it's all too often we're not honest enough with ourselves. But how did you create, you know, you, you got it down pat in those final sort of three to four years from what I, from what I can see in that, you know, you picked your, I was your sports guy or your yeah. fitness guy and you, you picked them. But you had this, every time we picked up a mic, you had this really genuine excitement and passion well, like, and energy for it. Guests who are also passionate. So you got people who care. Yeah. And 
to actually, you got You can only talk about things you care about. So if you look at all of the shows that I did, they were only ever about things I cared about. <laughs> Brilliant. I never talked about stuff I didn't care about. And, and sometimes they would say, oh, can you get this person in? Or we want you to do this interview with this person. Those were the hardest ones. Yeah. Especially if I didn't, if, if there was no connection to it. It was just, oh, we're just going to do this. And I know a lot of media people, that's their job. And they just in, do interviews and upon interviews. Horrendous. I, I don't know. And, and you see it and hear it in some of their things because they just don't care and they don't know anything about it. And they've yeah. just got a list of questions. They've looked at the briefer and away they go. But this show was different because it, and I always used to say to anyone who came on, this is not business breakfast. So if yeah. you're expecting to get, you know, a, a Tom Urquhart or, well, Tom wasn't doing the business breakfast then, I don't think. Um, but, it, you know, if you're it's expecting Richard to get Richard Dean, Dean and, Brandy. and Brandy Scott, yeah. and I would always say, and, and this was also the time I, I would say, if you're expecting those kind of questions, those nail you and you've got to answer in, in 25 words, it's not that, that's not this show. This is the opposite of that show. This is start talking, keep going, and fill in every single nook and cranny and blank of what you're talking about. And as we get off tra- track, I'll bring you back mm. and I'll ask you some more questions, but just talk. And I think that was, that was it. It was just this great conversation and people relaxed because they realized, hold on, you're not trying to nail me on something. You're yeah. not trying to get a scoop. We're just having a conversation. But you still get the scoops down the road because people let down their guard and they just start talking and you get, well, what's really going on? And that's something that maybe you can do it in the more long form. I mean, I think I mean that's it's, where it works. it's probably a bit unfair to Nightline or, or the podcasts that, that we've done are, are just chats. Yeah. Whereas I think some specifically radio, we need to get certain points across and sure, different you know, type of program commercial side of it. But I, that's where I always loved it because you'd ask these. And, and I think sometimes I was a little bit caught off guard because you'd ask such a wide open question with no real expectation. <laughs> let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I know he wants me to say something, but this is so wide <laughs> And, but then there was always this skill that you had, like you said, you'll just try and bring things back to, to something that maybe make, that's a hell of a skill, mate. It's, it's just listening and, you know, and you've got to know your stuff. So if we were talking about stretching or trigger point therapy, I remember that was a really good one. I mean, I I went and read about trigger point therapy and I had a whole bunch of notes and then you start going and I've, and I'm just thinking, oh, okay, this is. Oh, I see where he's going with that. Let's see if we can link it back to this other point here and, and sustainable, you know, exercise programs or being obese and what you need to do with diet, et cetera. It was, it was having all the basic information to be able to follow along where you're going and, and bring it back. And I think that's the key. And Talking- again, and you got to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy talking yeah. about fitness or cars or medicine or cooking or the doctors, they were another one. Yeah, they were they were hilarious. They were, weren't they? yeah. <laughs> Sean Petherbridge <laughs> and it. and his Shireen and his wife. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, back in the UK, but I think they they still do a whole bunch of work with the Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, he's the the lead of the medical area. She's the head doctor in in the pits as well. Uh, they do the the uh, off-road stuff. I don't know what we call it. Desert challenge. Yeah. I still run all the medicine for that. So they're back and forth here all the time. Yeah, they were great. (laughs) 50% of it is talking. It's the way we project our voice. It's the speed at which we talk, the energy which we give to our voice. You said it just there. A lot of it, and this is where you had this insane skill 
of playing with those mixing decks, looking at the clock. Oh man, that clock was a killer. <laughs> and the clock's counting down and something's flashing in the studio. But you were listening at the same time because I'd be sort of waffling on and I'd be thinking that I'm sort of supposed to be filling in some time and then you just come straight back in and you'd be there because you've got this insane ability to listen. Where does that come from and how, how does one cultivate that? Because generally we don't really listen that well these days, do we? <laughs> I, th I think, you know, everyone's got so much to say and I think it's, it's, yeah, it's work. Like you have to actively want to listen to people and realize, okay, people are going to say something. There's going to be something there. There's, and, and not jump in. And look, I don't get it right all the time. And to this day, I'll get people on my podcast. And I'll get comments and let them talk. Let them talk. Oh, so right. it's, it's, it's a challenge. Mm. But as soon as you trust that you don't have to just keep talking, get your question out short and sweet to the point, and then let your audience, your, your guest fill in the blanks. It's, it's, it just becomes this great learning exercise for you. And, it, and it's, yeah, you've got a whole audience who's listening to you. But if you keep in your mind that you're not doing it for the audience, really, you're just doing it for yourself. And I used to say to people, I said, look, I'm doing this for me. It just happens we have a whole audience, but I'm, I just want to learn about these things. And I genuinely want to know more about this. So we're just having a conversation and yeah, yeah. a bunch of other people are listening. Absolutely. But I'm, do, I'm doing this personally. I often say that to people. I think, well, the way that I started my show, not only with you, was with a lot of people that I just wanted to ask them questions. What we saw during lockdown and we've seen sort of in the last couple of years is that, let's just phrase it as every Tom, Dick and Harry has a podcast. Do you think that's because people want to be heard? Or do you think that that's because they genuinely want to listen to what others have to say? Is it their voice or is it their guest voice that they care more about? Be brutal, mate, if you want I, to be. I think there are a lot of people started podcasts during COVID because they saw it as a marketing tool. And many of those people don't have podcasts anymore. Mm. They've stopped because mm. it was, oh, I've got some time. I'm going to do a podcast and I've got Zoom and it's easy to record. And hey, you know what? I can do a podcast. Yeah. Most of those people couldn't sustain it. And sustainability is hard. I mean, mm. the, you know, hats off to you for keeping this podcast going. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. When, and when people look at the numbers, it's like, really? You've got that many? It's like, yeah. And so I think a lot of people got into podcasting for the wrong reason. And so I think they're, they're, those group have pretty much died out. The next group of people who are still doing it, and there's a group of people who are, are purely in it because it's part of their marketing funnel. And they just see it as a marketing tool. And that's where, what it is, which is fine because I, I think that podcasting can work that way as an engagement tool to help you let people know what you do, how you do it. And you can bring on some guests who will, again, fuel interest in your activities. So there's, there's a whole side to it that's that. And then I think there's another side where it's not hobbyists, but it is genuinely people who like yourself who are putting together content that is to educate inform and maybe mildly entertain people as well and it just <laughs> mildly entertain it, it, i'm gonna keep <laughs> holding <on me. laughs> 
but I, and, they, and they do it because, not because it's necessarily going to generate any more revenue in their organization, but because it's a great way with, again, this, this long tail of letting people know who you are, what you do, what you stand for. Mm. And those people are unfortunately fewer and far between. The fourth group of people are your classic radio broadcasters who, in the early days anyway, just saw podcasting as, hey, we're going to repackage some of our content. And I yeah. used to do that. Yeah. I'm just going to you know, strip it down, repackage it, and throw it out. It's now a podcast. Mm. Which I think that avenue, it's not going to go away because they've already got content and it's there. But it's not really packaged well for podcasts. Mm. And it, it needs another element that many of our professional organizations, even in country and, or, and around the region, globally, haven't figured out yet because they're just saying, well, I've got all this content, I'm just going to put it out. But people don't want to listen to that. So what's the context to it? How are you contextualizing? How are you picking and choosing? How are you bringing a little bit more of a human element? Because our, our standard media that in early podcasts, I think a lot of people imitated that, is wallpaper media. So when you think about radio, it's wallpaper how do you listen to radio? You put it on your car, you put it on at home, you put it on the office, it plays through and it's done. Podcast you pick. Podcasting for the most part, you listen to with headphones on. Mm -hmm. Podcasting's personal. You can pause it. You've decided to listen to it. So it's a, it's a whole different thing. And listening to something in your ear where you and I are talking directly to our audience as opposed to something where it's just in the background is a different type of media. And I think that's where podcasting, and podcasting's young, 23 years, that's it. Yeah. So it's, it's evolving enormously. And the ability to get into podcasting is getting easier and easier and easier. But while it's easier to, to record, it's easier to put stuff up if you use Anchor or, and then distribute, you could, there's all sorts of different ways you can distribute your content, which is great. Mm. But you got to keep doing that. And I think that's where anyone can do one. Anyone can do anyone can do a week's worth of pot. Anyone can do six. Yeah. Can you do a hundred? Yeah. Can you do two hundred? And I think that becomes where podcasting really changes things. And so there, there's these multiple groups that are all happening at the same time. And then you and I as listeners have to choose. And where do you where do you pick? And what do you pick? And I think that becomes a challenge. And 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 if you're like me, you've got a, a stable group of six or seven things that you always go back to yeah. because you like the flow, you like the tone, you like the way they deliver the content, and you'll keep listening to it. And I think that, to me, is, is the, the gold of podcasting. It's interesting. So, so many things you said there have, have probably, <laughs> we're talking about, doing shows and chatting to people sometimes for your audience benefit, sometimes for your own. I've just got a whole load of benefit <laughs> as you saw, mate, as you're talking, I'm writing more questions. But where, I mean, th there's a stat, right? That if you make it over like 20 episodes, you're in the top 5% of podcasts in the world. Yeah. And if you make it over 50 or 100, you're in the top 2%. So yeah. if you have more than 100 shows, you're one of the 2%. I wouldn't say best, <laughs> but most consistent yeah. podcasters because people never make it there. And I think your reasons, those sort of four or five different pillars of people are very, very clear. One thing I want to ask you, how often do you, because I've, and, and this is purely a personal question. I'm not going to wrap it up as, as anything different. So maybe this is for my audience, but definitely it's for me. Where does the conversation on radio? It's very clear 
because you're you you know the audience is out there. Yeah. So we were having a conversation, and I think I felt this for the most part. We were always in a way that we're like, okay, what do these people want? You know, yeah. and you'd say, do you think this resonates? And I'd try and go an angle that wasn't, you know, because we knew what the audience of Dubai Eye was. Is that changing? Are people just on a podcast having literally a therapy session with each other? Or is, or is it split? Are they, is it a little bit audience? Because there are those marketing ones. Sure. They're, they're generally shorter and they're quite sort of driven. And, and I think that's a great place. A friend of mine does one in real estate. Right. And I, can, I haven't hit him up, but I'm going to now after this show. It's like, it's pretty clear. We're using this to promote our business and we want people to know that we know our shit and come and let's have a chat and hopefully we'll sell you something. Yeah. Like that's really where, yeah. I think that's why we got on quite well because a lot of fitness people that go on radio, they also want to try and sell something. Whereas I just wanted to have a conversation. Yeah. You just want to talk about, you know, cardio workouts versus, you know, and, and whatever you find and, on menshealth.com and ask me a question around. Yeah. <laughs> and that was fun. But where does that balance? Is there, is there a balance to respect the audience? Is there a balance to talk to the audience or is it, is it not that angle? Is it yeah. like someone's actually coming because this is just a, it's, is it a therapy session? Is it a chat, two friends? Like where's yeah. the balance? I, I think we always have an audience in mind, right? Like even when we're doing a, a whatever your podcast is, you're yeah. always, you, you've always got in the back of your mind, who's my audience? Yeah. Who am I talking to? But that being said, so, you know, I do, I do a, a, a DIY show with Colin Thomas from We Will Fix It. Amazing. And we talk about all sorts of fixing stuff, but we also do clearly say over and over again, this is a therapy session for us because we're talking about our own experiences with things, mm. but we're also talking about, okay, you know, Hey, go and get this drill bit and you can get it at ACE or you can get it at SpeedX. Right. And so we're, it, and we're speaking to the audience because we know people are listening, but built into that is that, I'm getting something out of this as well. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's, it's fun. How, how you as the person who's creating this product, this thing, mm. it's, you find it, it, it fluctuates for people. And I think it fluctuates depending on what your purpose is and, and things. At some point you realize where it is. And that's when, as soon as, as soon as you hit that sweet spot, yeah, then you just get comfortable and you just get on with it. But you're, yeah. you're constantly know that, who's the core people you really want to listen to this? Are you going to get people outside that sweet spot? Absolutely. But there is a group of people who are ultimately going to be interested in that, that area that you're speaking to. And I think once, as I said, once you hit that, it also makes you feel good because you're, you're able just to share stuff and talk in a way that you might not talk otherwise. Has it ever really bothered you how many people listen to you and what they say? Cause I know on the radio yeah. you, I wouldn't say you got, you got a fair bit of feedback both ways. Yeah, yeah. Let's put it that way. I don't, I don't think people realize that when you text into a radio station, it goes to the person talking directly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're reading and you're sitting there and you're talking, then you read, this is the worst show I've ever listened to in my life. What are you talking about? And I'm thinking, really? Like, why are you saying that? Yeah. I mean, I would call back people on the, on the breaks. Really? Yeah. And say, you know, hey, James here. Uh, what, what can I do better? Yeah, help me out. Help then, me help Yeah, you. like what, what don't you like? Because really? it's like, oh, uh, because uh, they don't, people don't realize. Uh, you know, do, do numbers bother me? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Yes, I'd love to have thousands of people listening. Mm. But if is one person listening, I'm happy. Mm. And I know that sounds really weird, but one person listening, you can make a change. Yeah. Thousand people listening, yeah. It's I mean great for the metrics. It's great for selling your product. And we we were talking about numbers for some of my podcasts before we came on. And yeah. your colleague was sitting beside you. Well, those are good numbers. Mm. You know, from a marketing standpoint, you need the numbers if that's your goal. I, I'm not working for the numbers. Mm. And it's amazing. There's there's uh, someone we both know. She used to come here to the gym. Elham. Yep. Elham follows my podcast. Right online and she's listening to we will fix it podcast she's in canada now wow and she's commenting on the content and i'm going one person who's touched by this content who's taking the time to respond to it who's you know half a half a half a a global way yeah how do you where do you value i how do you put value on that and to me that becomes a value so i've got Someone who is taking this on and, 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 and in one breath, she's complaining about something I said in the next, sure. and correcting me. Yeah. And in the next breath, she's saying, right on, keep doing it. And but went, that's why she's so good, right? Yeah. Because she's listening and she's, she's helping you. And whether it's, whether she's just trying to get something off her chest, it actually yeah. makes you stop and think, well, am I doing that right? Yeah, I am. I'll continue or am I doing it? Yeah. yeah. And, I'll crack and, she, on. and she's saying, I started listening to you from inner fight. Yeah. When she was here. When she was uh, here. And I'm, I was trying to remember when that was because I, you know, I didn't ask her. But, and, and we've had many conversations yeah. now. But I'm going, huh, I, I, that, that's a long time ago. Yeah. It is. It has been a long time, <laughs> mate. And it's, it, it shouldn't be as long before. But it's, it's hard to not, you know, likes and shares. and It's, it's dopamine, right? Yeah. Because you want to see that. And, and you know, when I I'm- I know you're doing a good job. When I got 35,000 views, I'm going, woohoo. And then it's yeah, down to 16,000. I go, what's going on? And, and then I just kind of go, you know what? It's not about the numbers. Yeah. Is, is the content great? Am I learning something? Am I feeling good about this? Am I, is, is, it, is it giving me what I need it to give me? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, there we go. Keep going. I think that's so, you've, you've said that quite a few times, mate. Is this, is it exciting me? Is it giving me what me. I need from <laughs> it? Yeah. I, but I think it's, it's so beautiful and it's so applicable in so many areas of life. Like you and I generally, okay, you work 12 years at the radio, but it shows that you're passionate about it because you've continued to to, to roll out a podcast since then for the last five years, you know, but it's something, does it excite me? Am I passionate about it? Would I do it for free? These are all sort of things that you can take not only in to this area of, of podcasting and talking, but it, it could be your job. It could be yeah. sport. It could yeah. be absolutely anything. You, you got to love what you do. And I think that's for me has always been this crux is okay. Well, I'm doing things that make money do I love what I'm doing? Yeah. I, I love elements of what I'm doing. And that's really started to push me, especially now when situations have changed. And I think it's really difficult when you look at people who are doing jobs and it's easy to say, oh, you need to do this or you need to do that. But you don't know what's going on in their life. How many kids do they have? How many people are they mm. supporting? What's their family structure like? And, and people do things in those micro environments of their own lives. And typically we don't know what they all are. So it's really hard to have a standard model of application yeah. and say, well, quit your job and move to another one. It's like, that's not a feasible thing to do. Yeah. But increasingly at this point in my career and in my experimentation with content and things, I really started to realize, okay, well, what are my core skills? Yeah. What am I good at? 
why am I not doing more of that? And I actually sat down with a coach accidentally as at a, a coaching, coaching event where yeah. International Coaching Federation coaches were there. I guess they were, I don't, I'm quite sure what it was about, but <laughs> they were there talking about coaching. Yeah. And then they had a 30 minute sit down with a coach. And so there were 50 of us there and there were 50 coaches. Wow. And you had a 30 minute sit down. And I kind of went, and in back of my mind, I'm going, this is a lot of crap. Like, really, this is stupid. Mm. I stayed. And then I went to the thing. And as I sat down with this coach and we, we did a half an hour session, I kind of went, oh my, this is so important. Why have I not done this before? But in 30 minutes of sitting with this coach, yeah. asking the questions, okay, professor versus what I do, we got to the end point it, and it was, well, what's stopping you? Because my whole thing was, you know, I think I really, I love teaching, but I, I think I've reached a point where I want to do more of what I love yeah. and less of the bureaucracy of <laughs> my activity. Yeah. And, and it came to the point with this coach, well, what's stopping you? And he's like, oh, I don't know how to do X, Y, Z, which is not the teaching part, but it's the, how do you turn it into a, a business that I can at least afford to pay my rent? Yeah. And she said, well, that's all that's stopping you? And it wasn't, she didn't actually say that. She just said, so what are you going to do about it? She didn't say what's stopping you. So what are you going to do about that? Yeah. And what's the timeline? And it was like, okay, hold on a second. This is really important. And, you know, self-realization and realizing what, what are you good at and why are you, why are you not doing it? Yeah. So it, it, was, it was really cool. And it's, it's opened up a lot of thinking in my mind, A, about podcasting. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's not so much in my mind that, do I want to do a podcast and, and do brilliant, monetize it, and make a whole bunch of money? It's like, no, mm. but I really want to show people how to do it mm. and how easy it is to do mm. and what they need to be thinking about to sustain it so that they can start using these as a business and put it on your business site, but not be selling your real estate necessarily, but letting people understand who you are, what I'm about, what do we do? And by doing that, they're going to come to you. Of course. And, and so that, that really became, it was really, it was a really interesting opportunity. I guess that leads to another question I've got, which is where does this landscape end up? We're, we've spoken about radio. I don't know. I think there's still a few people that don't really know what a podcast is, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think it's still early enough days. I think it's, I think most people have heard, yeah, there's these things called podcasts. Not sure. I should really know why they're called podcasts in the first place. But I think if, if we'd have sat five years ago, would we know where we are now? Like, I see radio and I speak to the guys in radio and it's busier and more yeah. bustling than ever. And then we sit and we talk and maybe because you and I are quite focused on what we want. I, I don't know if that's the right way to put it. We, I'll never listen to the radio anymore. I'll only listen to a podcast or an audio book in the car. Where is it? Has it actually changed or is it still the same? And, and will it change? What's where, where can you see I always want people on, on, at the end of these shows, mate, to give me a crystal ball and no one's really, <laughs> there is no no one's really given me one yet, but <laughs> I think it's, I'm more interested in where people feel that things might be going to. I, I think it all depends on the consumer, on the audience, on that listener. So if we're, we're talking about, are people still going to listen to radio? Probably. For what I mean, look, this is this is the craziest thing, and this is again my my. And, and so this will this will this sort of answers that in a sense, but it doesn't, and then it'll right. lead through. <laughs> is 
so I do, I do a podcast with Glen Power Powerworks Garage called the Powerworks Podcast, where we talk about cars. And essentially, all we're doing is helping people not get ripped off at the garage. Right. And so we'll talk about getting, you know, fixing your car. And he'll say, look, if you, he'll say, mate, if you go in and they say this, walk away. Right. Because they're just going to screw you. Because that's not what has to be done. And that's, that, that is wrong. And that's what the whole show is about, talking about fixing cars that's from so a mechanic's cool. point of view. And he's, you know, t- when people say, oh, you know, your torque converter is blown, what is that? And, and you have no idea what it is. If they can, and he'll say, if they can't explain it to you, walk away because they're just going to rip you off. And he says, not that we don't get it wrong sometimes in our garage, we do, but they need to be able to explain to you in, in human terms what is going on with your vehicle and, and what's going to happen. So we do this show. You'll get to where this is going. Yeah. And we've been doing this show for a while and it's a podcast and I record it as a podcast. It is 100% a podcast. It's, it's played on UAE radio right now, every day from two to, from uh, two to two to three in the afternoon. It's Mm. on talk 100.3 FM, which is the station that plays all the cricket stuff. Yeah. It's the cricket station and they have talk. It's uh, an Indian language station. So they do English and I, I, I think sometime Urdu or I'm not quite sure what the, but they, and they have a whole bunch of English content, but they, they're playing the car talk podcast on the radio at two o'clock in the afternoon every day. And Surely it's a that's podcast. a podcaster's dream. Well, yeah, in a sense, to me, <laughs> and to me it, it's just validation, right? It's saying, do a, we're doing a podcast, we've got it going, and it is playing on national radio to, the, to an audience that wants to hear this in the middle of the day. Yeah. Like, that's validation of the podcasting. So not only does it work as that podcast, but here you've got a group that are playing it every day. But I record it as a podcast. Now, recently I've given a, I give a shout out at the start just because I know people might be looking and I tag them on socials and, and stuff, but it's not paced for radio. It's, I'm not, you know, it goes for about an hour, but I'm not thinking in 12 minute bundles. So for ad breaks, I don't break it up for them. They just do it themselves. So that's one destination where these things could get to maybe. So, so the point is the the question you ask is, do you, where do you think this is all going? And I think it, it comes down to your audience and I think podcasting and our, our world of distraction or entertainment or information mm. comes down to the audience. What does your audience want? What are, they, what are they interested in? And unfortunately, we're being directed very not passively mm. by delivery systems. So yeah. by our YouTubes, by our shorts, by our reels, by our TikToks, by our, those and the way that they're formatting content and the way they're putting it together and the way they're presenting it and, and all that goes with it, that's plays a big role in, in directing our taste and our expectations and, 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 and so in this content environment, you, you have different content groups who want different things mm. And I think the audience ultimately helps to shape what they like via the numbers, via the consumption. And when things just keep showing up, they also start to tune in. So I think part of it is we change our content in a sense for that. Or maybe not change. We repackage our content for different audiences. Mm. And and my example would be like I do long form interviews where Mm. we talk. But I also do make 60 second clips from them. 
that I'll put up from those conversations that then direct people, hey, you want more? Head to my link tree. You can get mm. the full length version or another short version. So it's, it's just packaging that content. But I, I think ultimately it, it comes down to your audience. And if the audience doesn't want it anymore and you, no one's tuning in, and then they're not going to listen to it. Do you care? That's the other thing. It's like, yeah. like do, I, do I care if, if I get one listen to a thing? What did I get out of it? Yeah. I got to have a, you know, I, and you get to have a good conversation. I got to have a good someone. conversation with someone. This is a perfect example. Mm. You're doing the podcast, not me, mm. but when's the last time, how, how easy is it to get an hour of your time? Mm. It's impossible. Mm. Mm. Well, I got an hour of your time mm. and we got to catch up. We yeah. got to chat. That's cool. And to me, that was always when you go back and say, well, so what's the goal of doing these things? I get an hour of people's time yeah. or, and to ask them questions uh, that, that, that maybe you wouldn't, it's funny, this mic, yeah. these cameras, yeah. because you almost, you buy yourself this safe space to ask questions that I don't know why you wouldn't, but I think if we were just sat having a cup of coffee and, you know, you just jump in with a, a what I would call a podcast question, yeah, yeah. people would just be like, and maybe we should, mate, maybe we should, you know, we should just pretend that we have virtual mics in front of us the whole yeah. time and stuff. But yeah, you, yeah. you kind of get that hour and you get it, but I don't know, I'm, I'm, my mind is, you can probably see by my eyes and always when we're thinking our eyes are going up is, is, is racing here because maybe if I wanted to close the answer to that question and maybe we've, we've really gone full circle here is why aren't radio stations leveraging people that are super good at such as yourself and, and your power garage car talk and just getting the best of everyone and yeah. plugging them in because that's, you were actually doing this in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> you had well, this foresight and we, you were like, well, we had, I we trust had, these guys. I know yeah. this is good. I'll plug this in. I'll do that. And yes, I'll drive from there to there. And you ran around like a blue ass fly. But what you created just in that segment on Nightline was. I, I start remembering some of the shows we did. I did a show with Narain Joshinmal where yeah. we talked about magazines and we yeah. talked about, you know, what was going on in Monocle, what was going on in Wired, what was going on in Entrepreneur Magazine. We did a whole show where we just went through key articles. Who does that? It's brilliant. You know, we had Chef Andy. This is before we had cooking shows. I had Chef Andy come on and we would make meals. He'd make the meals and we'd walk through different food that you could make. You know, it was always lunchbox stuff or easy to take to work, healthy cooking on the radio before people were doing that. Incredible. You know, it was like... You know, even the car stuff, no one was doing car stuff until we started doing it. I don't no. think there's ever been a fitness show till we started doing it. No, and no. there hasn't been one since. No, and it's like, do you think people weren't listening? Of course they were listening. It's weird, probably not to the extent, but I know exactly like in, in, yeah. during that time, oh, you're the guy from the radio. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm just this idiot that goes on the radio with so this guy. That it's, I think it, it, that's the sort of the thing is, is radio dead? No, it's, no. it's, it's going to have its place. And I, I think as a micro thing, we still want to know what's going on around us and that immediacy of it. But I think it fits into a larger landscape now. And I think there's a lot more competition to get things out. You know, you look at Love in Dubai and streaming yeah. and, you know, Interfight TV. I mean, you could have an Interfight TV every morning. You could Calm have a 20 down. minute thing streaming on Calm YouTube. Down. Yeah, but you could, right? You got the you got the perfect room. I mean, I'm looking at this. All I'm thinking is we could do Interfight Radio, right? <laughs> and there's there's a whole show that I, I I keep threatening to do, which I think I can actually do now, and it's called Roundabout Dubai, right? And it's based on you have to go and Google this right. Rocket Boom. You have to go and Google Rocket Boom, 
because there was this show called Rocket Boom that was hilarious and it was just kind of a news show. So I want to kind of do a Dubai roundup once a week, roundabout Dubai, that I literally film in roundabouts around Dubai. Put down a chair, put three cameras, film it and stream it at the same time. And it's called, it's just, hey, what's going on in Dubai? From a, uh, from a different roundabout each time. Where would you start? You'd have to start iconic clock tower. Yeah, I think so. But they're, they're yeah. doing renovations on it right now. It's all right. By the time yeah. you're but ready to yeah. press it'll be like the fall. It'll be, done. it'll be in the fall. It's like, <laughs> and someone said, how can you do that? I said, if you're using mobile phones, they don't stop you. He said, yeah, the only problem will be people yeah, going around the roundabout. What's that guy doing? But I know that's the, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, okay, how can we do it? And, and someone said, well, who will watch that? I don't know. But- Someone will. So one person will. And maybe that'll be my brother. And I mean, that's the other side. I, I do some podcasting. I don't talk to my brother a lot, but mm-hmm. he listens to every single podcast and he'll communicate back. Oh yeah, I heard exactly what you're talking about. I totally agree with you. I'm going, if, if it's just my family who's connecting. You're doing something good. That's an hour that I wouldn't spend talking to my brother. Yeah. Well, he's got an hour of my life, right? And I think- that's amazing. It's it. I, so I think it's setting up. What are your expectations? What are you, what are you doing it for? Do you need to make money for it? Well, then you got to do a different thing. Mm. If it's feeding into what you do as a career, well, then it has a different purpose as well. And once you figure that out, once you're comfortable with it, and once you do what you can do, and that doesn't mean you have to do an hour long podcast. Cause mm. a lot of people say, Oh, it does have to be long. I said, no, 10 minutes go with what you've got. Yeah. I think some of, and, and we're actually, Talking about bringing it back, might have even brought it back by the time this show kicks off. Is we actually had a lot of fun and a lot of traction. We used to do a show called Fitness in Under Three Minutes. Yeah, and I mean that forces you to talk oh, yeah. very well and yes. get to the point. We've we've been able to waffle here for for an hour because we don't have any time constraints. But when you go three minutes, and I think that's one of the biggest things as well. And you've said it a number of times, like who your audience is and the value that you're giving and then figure out that, that format. But there are, there are a number of ways. I like the roundabout one. I'll, I'll yeah. sit at Clock Tower Roundabout <laughs> so with you if that's I'm, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be fun. And, and, you know, part of it is the technology's now, here now. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't. I mean, suddenly, it's like the one that you said you did walking along the beach. Yeah, I couldn't have done that a while back, but the wireless mics now are easy yeah. and accessible, you, whether you're using Rhodes or DJIs or, and recorders are even better. If you're, you know, Zoom products have been around for a while, but yeah. they're even better. They're yeah. lighter. They, it's, it's, feasibility of doing more and more like this and Mm. adding to it is now in the realm of everyone can do it, which doesn't mean everyone will do it or everyone can do it (laughs) well, but you can try. (laughs) And and I I often say, because people say, aren't you worried about, you know, AI and people will just be able to create voices. I know you can already do that. I mean, there's Mm. great Mm. format, but then someone's got to write it for the AI to do it. Why wouldn't you just do it? Yeah. And, AI, unless you've got the robot at this point, and even then, does do people want to watch the Marcus Whit- Marcus Smith robot stand up in front of it? No, they want to see Marcus Smith stand up yeah, and be human. That thing. that whole area, if you can bring that to your content, mm. that's the glue that keeps people coming back because it's real and it's genuine and it's authentic and it's passionate. And when you bring that and put that in your content because you care about it, people will listen. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have to commit to each other and to the audience, to the one or two people that are listening, that you will be back within the next... I won't make a, a sort of 
crazy goal, but at least within the next two years, we have to have another conversation. Oh, easy, mate. easy. <laughs> they always say, yeah, come back in a year, but a year will go. And so we'll, we'll set ourselves up for, for, for winning. Meanwhile, the jamescast.com is the best place is, for people yeah, to J- find. You know, Spotify. Go for Spotify. the Jamescast. And if you want to watch me, the Jamescasts with an S. Jamescast. On I'll, YouTube. I'll link to that in the show notes. <laughs> if you're not watching the video version, you've missed out on James's attire today, which as always, since that day in 2008, when I first walked into ARN in Studio City, has been loud shirts. Yeah. I think Hawaiian limits it a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. not Hawaiian. They're yeah. just loud. They're, I do have Hawaiian shirts, but yeah, he does have just, Hawaiian just, shirts. They have life, and that is a whole other podcast, James. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank, Thank you, you for Marcus. everything you've done for me for the show. Absolute legend. Thank you. Thank you.